Coming up this evening, live from New York City. The biggest climate bill in U.S. history is heading to the House after passing the Senate. Economist Stephen Moore joins us for analysis. Japan's SoftBank posting one of its biggest losses in history. Now it's selling some shares in some major companies. And Tesla could lose its license to make and sell cars in California. California's DMV accusing it of false advertising. We have that and much more coming up on NTD Business. It's great to have you with us. Paul Graney here for NTD Business. A new poll says that 69% of Americans believe the economy is getting worse. It's the highest number since 2008. The poll was done by ABC News and ITSPAS. Only 12% of respondents think the economy is getting better. It also found that most Americans disapprove of how President Biden is doing on the economic recovery and on inflation. His approval rating has improved in one area, though. 34% now approve of how he's dealing with gas prices. That might now sound very high, but it's up seven points from a similar poll in June. The results of the poll comes amid the highest inflation in decades. And the news comes as the Senate passes the Democrats' sweeping health care, climate and tax bill. It's called the, quote, Inflation Reduction Act. But economic analysis and lawmakers are divided over the long-term impacts of the bill. Anthony Jessica Beatty reports. The Senate being equally divided, the vice president votes in the affirmative, and the bill, as amended, is passed. The U.S. Senate passed a massive health and climate bill Sunday with the help of tie-breaking vice president Kamala Harris. The bill's likely to raise around $740 billion and includes about $430 billion in new spending. But lawmakers are divided. Supporters say the act will help spur economic growth and reduce consumer prices. Big bold package for the American people to fight inflation and make it easier for people to afford everything from trips to the doctor's office to trips to the pharmacy. But critics say the Inflation Reduction Act will slash economic growth and make inflation worse. I don't believe this new bill is going to lower inflation. That's where I'm at. Senators engaged in a round-the-clock marathon of voting that began Saturday and stretched into Sunday afternoon. Democrats voted against some three dozen Republican amendments. The bill ran into trouble over objections to a 15 percent corporate minimum tax. U.S. advocacy group Americans for Tax Reform says the measure will increase taxes on thousands of mid-sized small businesses. The group's spokesman, John Karch, posted on Twitter, any business that has private equity in its capital structure is now considered a subsidiary of that firm and thus subject to 15% book tax. Republicans said the bill's business taxes would hurt job creation and increase prices, making it harder for people to cope with inflation. Democrats have already robbed American families once through inflation, and now their solution is to rob American families yet a second time. The bill also includes the biggest climate plan in U.S. history. 40% reduction by 2030 for greenhouse gases, putting us on a trajectory I don't think anyone thought was possible. Now that the legislation has passed in the Senate, next it heads to the House of Representatives. They're expected to take it up this Friday. Jessica Beatty, NTD News. With us live to discuss the so-called inflation reduction bill is author of GovZilla and co-founder of the Committee to Unleash Prosperity, Stephen Moore. Steve, thanks. Thanks so much for having me. 
want to unpack, Steve, the plan aims to reduce carbon emissions by 40 percent by 2030. That's seven years away. What does that mean for America? Well, you know, all these other countries like Germany and Italy and Spain uh, have tried the green energy route and it was catastrophic. You know, Germany has practically bankrupted the country. It's very simple. We're not going to be able to uh, to provide enough uh, energy and power for a $23 trillion industrial economy that makes everything from steel to construction to manufacturing products to uh, cars with windmills. I mean, it just can't happen unless you want to you know, destroy the economy. So we're going to we still get 70 percent of our energy from fossil fuels. Hopefully we'll continue to do that. I think we might be able to double our uh, use of uh, wind and solar power. So that may, maybe gives that brings us to about 12 percent. But, you know, of course, the question is, where's the other 85 percent going to come from? I must say I'm very frustrated because under Trump, we were energy independent for the first time uh, in 50 years. And now look at this. We're dependent on Saudi Arabia, Russia, other countries. I don't think this energy policy makes any sense whatsoever. I think it comes at an interesting time, as you were following last week, China pulled out of all their climate agreements with right. the United States. Do you feel they're cheerleading this type of bill in America? They sure are. I mean, the two big winners from this bill clearly are Russia and China. China right now is building 30 major, massive coal plants. So obviously they don't care about climate change and they, they are responsible for about five times more uh, CO2 emissions than the United States. And of course, you know, over in Russia, you've got uh, Putin who's been able to finance his, his uh, immoral war against the Ukrainians with all those petrodollars. So I'm, I think it's not just bad for our economy, but I think it's really bad for national security to give up our energy dominance. I think put aside benevolent or, or, or well-meaning intentions aside, the, the bill also says that it will lower prices at the pump and lower household energy costs. How exactly does that stack up? Yeah, I'm not so sure I understand the logic of that. We need to be producing, you know, we, get, we still get well over half of our energy from, you know, our electric power supply from, from uh, coal and natural gas. And this administration has basically declared war on our fossil fuels. So that's going to, if you turn to solar and wind, their costs are extremely high, uh, especially if you take away the government subsidies. So I'm not so sure that's going to work. And, and I want to remind people again, Germany tried this experiment 10 years ago. They tried to go all in. They, they shut down their coal, they shut down their nuclear, they shut down their natural gas. And, and it, it basically led to a complete economic collapse. Let's not follow into their footsteps. We see Europe now kind of reversing on that, right? Allowing nuclear to fall under this green label. I think though, Steve, in your op-ed in the Wall Street Journal, you referred to the quote, climate change industrial complex. What is that exactly? This is a massive now trillion dollar industry. This is about money, folks. This doesn't have anything to do about cleaning up the environment or keeping our environment safe. This is massive numbers of huge companies and huge investors. They're going to get very, very rich off of these uh, hundreds and hundreds of billions of dollars of subsidies. Look, I'm not against wind or solar power. I'm not against electric vehicles. I think, you know, what you want to do is let the market work. You know, we didn't have the, the uh, government subsidize Henry Ford when he, when he invented cars. We didn't have the, uh, the uh, federal government subsidize Standard Oil when it started making you know, uh, gas plentiful and cheap for everyone. So why do we need to have the government throw hundreds and hundreds of billions of dollars at this industry? We've done it for 
30 years, we still, people need to realize we only get six or 7% of our power from wind and solar. Uh, most of it comes from either nuclear, coal, natural gas, or oil. We also get some from hydropower, but the left doesn't like hydropower either. I want to shift gears a little bit, Steve. The bill calls for doubling the number of taxmen, 87,000 new IRS workers. In fact, the Democrats, they rejected an amendment that would prevent the money being used to target anyone earning less than 400,000 per year. Should we expect more audits? You better believe it. The number of audits are easily going to double. You're going to see a million more Americans audited every year. They're not going to go after Bill Gates and Warren Buffett and Zuckerberg. They have armies and armies of their own tax accountants and tax lawyers. They're coming after, you know, people who make between, say, seventy-five dollars and $250,000 who are sort of defenseless against the IRS. I've suffered myself from these excruciating audits where the IRS said I owed them $50,000, and we said we didn't owe them $50,000. And my tax attorney said, Steve, you're right, but you should probably just pay them because it's going to be cheaper than going to tax court. So the government has unlimited resources here and uh and, and that the taxpayer doesn't have many resources at all i heard somebody the other day say this is uh this irs policy is like you know uh, uh catch and frisk stop and frisk for uh for taxpayers and i thought that was a pretty good analogy i've got about 20 seconds steve how yeah. difficult is it to reverse these policies if in fact they don't reduce inflation like we've been promised well, they will increase inflation. I mean, the reason we have 9% inflation today is because of the massive Biden spending spree. There's two things you don't want to do. When you have massive inflation, you don't want to spend more government money. And when you're in a recession, you, you don't want to raise taxes. This bill makes both those mistakes. Stephen Moore. Steve, thank you. Thank you. And automakers say that some provisions in the new climate and energy bill will make it harder for them to sell more electric vehicles, one of the key parts. It's because it'll make it more difficult for potential buyers to get the EV tax credit. Anthony Sean Marshall has more. The Alliance for Automotive Innovation, a group representing General Motors, Toyota, Volkswagen, and other major automakers, said a $430 billion bill approved Sunday by the U.S. Senate will jeopardize their collective target of 40 to 50 percent electric vehicle sales by 2030. Also, that most EV models would not qualify for a $7,500 tax credit for U.S. buyers under the bill. I asked automotive expert Lauren Fix what the pros and cons of the bill might be. She said she doesn't think there are any pros to this bill. The average person who can afford to buy a car will buy whatever they want. If they can get the tax credit, they may buy one if they can get one. But if you're not getting the tax credit, there's no incentive. People that can't afford gasoline certainly can't afford a new car, higher insurance, and a charging station. So this whole thing is another cash for clunkers and a total disaster. The clean vehicle credits in the bill are meant to get more EVs on the road and reduce greenhouse gas emissions. To qualify for the credits, at least half of a vehicle's battery components must be manufactured or assembled in North America. With that percentage beginning to rise in 2024 and hitting 100%, in 2029, Fix thinks consumers are the ones who are going to be paying the price. Instead of this bill, if you want to reduce inflation, stop spending money. That's the first thing you should do. That's economics 101. If you couldn't afford any more on your credit card, the next thing you would do is not go get another credit card and max that out because that would put you in deeper debt. And that's exactly what we're doing and putting ourselves in deeper debt. We need to become energy independent. 
We need to have a combination of different solutions. The bill creates a $4,000 tax credit for used EVs. The package also provides billions in new funding for EV production, as well as $3 billion for the U.S. Postal Service to buy EVs and battery charging equipment. The U.S. House plans to vote on the bill on Friday. Sean Marshall, NTD News. And the stock market ended pretty flat today. The Dow added 29 points, one-tenth of a percent. S&P lost five points, one-tenth of a percent. And the Nasdaq dropped 13 points, also about one-tenth of a percent today. Now Pfizer is acquiring blood disorder drug maker Global Blood Therapeutics for about $5.5 billion. Pfizer has enjoyed an unprecedented rise in sales since the global rollout of its COVID-19 vaccine, but sales have started to slow since last year. The company has been on the lookout for acquisitions. In May, Pfizer shelled out $11.6 billion for migraine drug maker Biohaven Pharmaceutical. The company also completed a $6.7 billion deal to buy Arena Pharmaceuticals. Now, with the acquisition of Global Blood Therapeutics, Pfizer will boost its rare disease treatment business with Oxbrida. It's a prescription drug to treat sickle cell disease among patients 12 or older. And Tesla is calling its autonomous driving features, quote, full self-driving and autopilot. But California's DMV says this is misleading. It says it could potentially take away Tesla's license to operate as a car maker in the state. California, it's a big market for Tesla. Anthony Scott Fredrickson has more. California's Department of Motor Vehicles is accusing Tesla of deceptive advertising in regards to its self-driving features. The department says Tesla advertises them as autopilot and full self-driving capability, but the cars could not at the time of those advertisements and cannot now operate as autonomous vehicles. It's like a co-pilot, right? It doesn't just completely do everything. We're not in the, the, the era yet where the car is just going to fly us to wherever. Richard Odell is the COO of Driven, a company that provides in-person Tesla courses. Odell says the technology is there, it just isn't 100% there. We, as a um, passenger or a driver of the vehicle, do have to remain alert and, you know, assist the technologies that's there. Every update that our car gets the full self-driving and the features are much better. There are five levels of autonomous driving, driver assistance, partial automation, conditional automation, high automation, and full automation. Tesla is at level two. All level two systems require drivers to pay attention, to have their hands um, on the wheel for a certain amount of time, and also to be ready to intervene at any time because the system may turn the vehicle back to you if it encounters a situation it doesn't believe it can handle. Michael Strong is managing editor at the Detroit Bureau. Strong says Tesla has always said the vehicles aren't completely independent, despite advertising them as full self-driving. I have to confess that, you know, when I first started hearing about it, I thought, oh, these things are going to drive themselves. And we're a long way from vehicles being able to do that. Tesla could temporarily lose its California license as a vehicle manufacturer and auto dealer because of this. Last year, California made up around 13% of all Tesla sales. Colin Fredrickson, NTD News. And Japanese investment firm SoftBank reported an all-time record net loss of $23 billion. This is the second massive quarterly drop in a row. His chief executive said he became somewhat delirious when his firm was making big profits. Now he says he's quite embarrassed and remorseful. When we record the big gain, I actually was very proud of myself 
And uh, when I look back, I'm a bit embarrassed and I learned the lesson. SoftBank aggressively poured billions into over 100 companies last year. Sun said his executives even needed to persuade more firms to take its money. And, of course, rising interest rates and an economic downturn have really hurt its investments now. SoftBank says it sold all of its shares in ride-hail giant Uber. It's also reportedly sold one-third of its shares of Chinese e-commerce giant Alibaba. Its stock price has halved in the past year. Alibaba recently joined more than 200 other Chinese firms that are facing the risk of being delisted from American stock exchanges. This is Washington increases scrutiny of Chinese companies over their access to their audit papers. For the same reason, zero, zero Chinese companies have been listed in the United States this year. Now one American exchange is looking elsewhere, for example, Latin America, according to a senior Nasdaq executive. Nasdaq's global head of capital markets was in Sao Paulo last week to discuss potential listings with Brazilian companies. He said he saw, quote, a lot of new, interesting companies. And stopping the Chinese Communist Party from buying U.S. farmland, that's a new bill introduced in the Senate. Two Senate Republicans introduced the proposal, arguing that the communist regime's acquisitions on American soil pose a threat to national security. They say Chinese investments in American farmland put U.S. food security at risk and provide opportunities for Chinese espionage against American military bases and critical infrastructure. Some 14 states have restrictions against foreign ownership of land, but there are no similar federal restraints. Former Twitter chief executive Jack Dorsey speaking out against Beijing's tough COVID-19 restrictions, calling for an end to the Chinese Communist Party. His comment was made amid the recent lockdowns of two more major port cities in China. Former Twitter CEO Jack Dorsey tweeted Saturday in the CCP. He was commenting on a report on the toll of the Chinese Communist Party's zero-COVID policy. The three-word post has been shared some 12,000 times and received about 60,000 likes. As Shanghai emerges from a two-month lockdown, another eastern Chinese city, Yiwu, is forced into indefinite semi-lockdown. Local authorities said it's to counter a new outbreak in the region. Measures include tests for all 1.8 million residents and suspension of public transport and non-essential services. Yiwu City is a major port in global trade of small commodities. It's known as the world's largest wholesale hub, with business ties to more than 2 million small and medium enterprises in China. The city's closure is sparking concerns about disruptions to global trade and supply chains. Meanwhile, Sanya, another port city of the South China Sea, is also under strict lockdown. Once dubbed China's Hawaii, Sanya has now closed all inbound and outbound flights, leaving 80,000 tourists stranded in the city. And most of the establishments and venues and things were all closed already. They were open that day, earlier in the day, um, but everything uh, definitely closed earlier at least. Um, so we, we didn't really get to see anything. Um, other than going from one hotel to another hotel last minute uh, to try and like, beat the rush. Beijing's zero-tolerance approach to the virus is pushing more Chinese people to sever ties with the Chinese communist regime. According to the New York-based Global Tweidong Center, as of August, more than 400 million people in mainland China and overseas have renounced their membership in the party and its affiliated organizations. Still to come. 
A jewelry heist in broad daylight. New York City police are now looking for the thieves who made off with millions of dollars worth of jewelry. Now we take a look at Chicago's famous foods and ask their origins. We ask, can you ever put ketchup on a Chicago-style hot dog? With that, much more coming up on NTD Business. The NYPD is asking for the public's help to solve a brazen $2 million jewelry robbery that took place on Friday. Security cameras captured four men during a targeted smash-and-grab at Rocco's Jewelry in the Bronx. In less than 30 seconds, the video shows the men using a hammer to break open display cases to steal high-end diamonds. It's estimated they made off with more than $2 million worth of jewelry. The thieves got away on foot. A reward is being offered. Anyone with information is encouraged to call Crime Stoppers at 1-800-577-TIPS. Terrible. Now, what's for dinner? Hot dogs, pizza, or hamburgers? Well, depending on where you live in the United States, they may be prepared differently. But today, we highlight a few iconic regional foods that helped shape Chicago's culinary culture. Here's the story. The Elmhurst History Museum in a Chicago suburb is highlighting the city's iconic foods in its Eat Your Heart Out exhibit. Curator Dan Bartlett says Chicago's twist on the recipes made the foods unique. A Chicago-style hot dog is a sausage in a bun. It was originally a working-class family food of German and Austrian immigrants in the late 19th century. Bright green pickle relish and onions and tomatoes, um, sport peppers or little hot peppers. Um, yellow mustard, none of this fancy Dijon stuff, never ever ketchup. Bartlett just described the condiments that go on a Chicago-style hot dog. But is ketchup never allowed? The culinary experts um, say that the ketchup has too much sweetness and it contradicts some of the other flavors. But if you start to take things off the traditional Chicago hot dog, I think ketchup's probably okay. There are several versions of stories of how hot dogs got the name. Here's one version. You can't t easily tell what's in a sausage, right? Because it's all ground up. And so um, in denigrating these German immigrants, there was jokes made that perhaps they were using dog in the sausage. Um, and then of course, college kids kind of picked up on that and, and that's how we, we got the hot dog. Italians may have invented the pizza, but it was Chicago's Pizzeria Uno that invented the first deep dish pizza in 1943. Bartlett says regular pizza and deep dish pizza have distinct places in our daily lives. When you don't want to cook or are in a rush, you get a pizza. Deep dish, on the other hand, is something you plan for, like going to church or going to a concert or going, because it takes so much more um, effort and time to put it together. Chicago's Joe Sapp and his wife Catherine invented the five-flavor rainbow cone ice cream in 1926. 
Their signature cone featured five flavors, chocolate, strawberry, Palmer House, pistachio, and orange. This very iconic combination of flavors all stacked up here, um, one atop the other. They're not scooped, they're sliced. They're like little slabs of ice cream that go together. Local visitors Sarah Jones and her daughter Shay have different favorites. Hot dogs are my favorite food. We'll say that I do enjoy the deep dish pizza. We don't get it that often. So when we do have it, it's kind of for like a special occasion. These iconic foods originated from the cultures of early Chicago immigrants. And now they've become symbols of America's melting pot. Reporting by Angela Moy, NTD News, Chicago. Hey, you thinking about getting a new job? Maybe you should sleep on it, literally. A mattress brand is hiring, quote, Casper sleepers to snooze for a living. Puts a whole new spin on sleeping on the job. Job requirements include sleeping in company stores and in other random locations. There's a bit of work when you're awake, though, creating social media content to show people what it's like to be a professional sleeper. The qualifications, a, quote, exceptional sleeping ability, a desire to sleep as much as possible, and, of course, the ability to sleep through anything. Casper sleepers will get to wear pajamas to work. They'll also get some free Casper products. And they'll also have the flexibility of a part-time schedule. Companies taking applications through Thursday. Get on it. That's the latest in the MTD Business Team. and myself, Paul Graney. You can follow me on Twitter, though, if you're there. Oh, and if you have any news tips or feedback for the show, email us, business at ntd.com. That's all for today. Thank you for watching. We'll see you tomorrow.